When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dylan Brooks is coming to the Portland Trailblazers. Easy. Just kidding. But hey, you never know. We're going to talk about that and much more on the Sports by Northwest podcast supported by the Pacific Office Automation 147 coming June 2nd and 3rd to Portland International Raceway. I'm Aaron Fentress. I'm joined by Bill Orm on the Sports by Northwest podcast where we talk all things Oregon sports and beyond. And since, you know, Dylan Brooks has went to Oregon and he, he has some connections there and he's going to be a free agent, it sounds, sounds like something we should talk about because he could fit with the Blazers mainly. We will talk about that. We'll also talk about uh, Lillard being linked to the Miami Heat and this fabulous Lakers-Warriors series. I say fabulous after one game because that was a heck of a game. Bill covered the Lakers, so he has some insight there. But also, we have this new <laughs> – he made a face. I don't think he likes being reminded that he covered the Lakers. Just nine, nine years of my life, I'm never going to get he, back. He and LeBron are BFFS. <laughs> well, we have this new campaign called Subtext where you can get – well, text straight from us, Bill and myself, straight to your phone with our hot takes and our intelligence takes. You get a little mixture of both. That phone number, if you want to subscribe, just text 503-782-9420. You will receive a link back, which will tell you how to subscribe. You have a 14-day trial. It's only $3.99 a month to get text straight to your phone from Aaron Fentress and Bill Orm, or from Bill Orm and Aaron Fentress. Maybe you can delete one of us out. I don't know. You probably just have to suffer with both of us. But anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. And hey, you get to text us back, and then we'll respond. We'll have the cor- our correspondence going. Anyway, let's get to our uh, main topic today. Okay, it's the offseason of the NBA, and the best part of the NBA offseason is all the rampant speculation about who's going where. The NBA thrives on the drama. It's, it's like a soap. I love it. I get into it every year. And so now we have Dylan Brooks who poked the bear, LeBron James, and then got dominated. Now the Grizzlies say they will not bring him back under any circumstances, Bill, any at all. He could be the only small forward free agent on the market, and the Grizzlies would not bring him back to Memphis. But would he fit? Could he fit with the Blazers? I will let you make the first assessment. I'm still like thrown by the idea that they won't bring him back under any circumstances. Like, I mean, usually like usually usually (laughs) someone is like allowed like a final meal before something like this happens to them or a conjugal (laughs) visit or something. Instead, like, I mean, I've like in the chance to repent. (laughs) I mean, I followed the NBA my entire life. I've covered it professionally for the last decade. I have never seen a free agent or a player hung out to dry in this way, I mean, it just, it kind of boggles my mind. Like, I understand why the Grizzlies might be done with 
with with Dylan Brooks. Um, I understand why he rubs people the wrong way. All of that. I understand why you wouldn't want him on your team. But the idea that like you're going to hang him out to dry and you don't want him back under any circumstances is just cold, ice cold. So he will be a free agent. We know that. Does he fit with Portland? Um, yes, with a caveat, because I'm interested in Dylan Brooks as a reclamation project, as a buy low um, value contract. Because what the Blazers need with Damian Lillard making $50 million and Jeremy Grant probably making 30 and, you know, if the roster doesn't change, I mean, you're just so leveraged financially. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to be doing cap gymnastics to figure out how do you give Dylan Brooks, you know, what he would view as his value. And it seems like as more reporting has come out on the Dylan Brooks situation, Ramona Shelburne said on ESPN that, um, he wants $25 million a year. If that's what Dylan Brooks is looking for, then no, I'm not interested. But in terms of, you know, his on-court value, I do see him as a fit next to Damian Lillard because of his defense, because he is a, um, you know, because he is a pest. I like, I do, there's a balance and it's a fine line. And I don't think Dylan Brooks is particularly good at walking that razor's edge, but I do like that he has the fire to poke the bear of LeBron James. And if the Grizzlies hadn't, you know, struggled in that series, if they hadn't lost, we'd be, t- we, I think a lot of what Dylan Brooks has, we generally admire in players. You know, he doesn't back down. He's not intimidated by the moment. He's not afraid just because it's LeBron James. And I, and so I think that like, for the most part, I admire that. I just think that maybe he has leaned in a little too hard. And now, is he going to view this um, this sort of uh, abandonment by the Grizzlies and and maybe as maybe a little bit of a learning experience? And you're going to get him as a more motivated Dylan Brooks. I I would like to think so. So I think you know if you're if you're Joe Cronin and he's a free agent and you've got and he would fit into your mid level maybe. Um, I. I would be interested, but I mean, it also depends on so many other things with this offseason because there's so many factors and so many unknowns starting with the lottery and then what other deals they're going to be able to make. But first blush. Yeah, I'm okay with Dylan Brooks. I I have one more caveat too, before I I kick it back to you. I think every team in the NBA wants every player in the NBA under, under the right circumstances. Like and if the contract is right, if the fit is, right, I think every player in the NBA has a has a spot on every team, right? If if it if if the circumstances are right, so that's so that's sort of my caveat, which makes it kind of less fun. But Dylan Brooks, Blazers, <laughs> yes, under the right circumstances. Okay, so I, look, Chauncey talked about it all season. They need vets. They need better defenders. They need more length. They need dogs. He's all yeah. of those things. You know, his defensive rating dropped or went to 110 this year, 103 last year. But I don't, the defensive rating thing to me is kind of bizarre. But it's a bad, it's a bad individual stat. Yeah. Because, yeah, because there's so many other factors that can help or hurt you when you're playing defense in the NBA. But anyway, uh, he still has defensive ability, something they need. I would not want him as a starter. Now, if they, if they went out and got Jalen Brown and started him at the two and you've got Dylan Brooks at the three, I'm cool with that, I guess. Uh, but I, I wouldn't see Dylan Brooks as someone I would want starting. He just doesn't – he's just such a bad offensive player. He shot under 40%. How do you shoot under 40% in today's NBA? It doesn't make any sense to me. Shot 32 from three in the playoffs. He shot even worse than those two numbers. Uh, I'd want him to – I'd want him to tone it down. I think Dane would have him probably tone it down. Like, Dane would not want him talking trash and doing his little dance and acting acting like a fool. Uh and when you do those kind of things, you have to back it up at some level. Like, I don't mind guys having a little fun, 
but he he acted like he was he was the guy. Yeah, and and part of that comes from Morant's personality as well because Morant goofs around like that. So that's what yeah. it was the the sort of the 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 um culture of the team mm. and i think that contributed to their fall that and steven adams but yeah i would i would definitely sign him if if the price is right and as a backup off the bench because they off the bench or as a defensive specialist they need guys like that but I, I don't know that, if they can get him for that 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 role or that money a slot because he's going to command more maybe if you go back to uh, one of the things that was making the rounds yesterday was what Dylan Brooks said at, at the Grizzlies exit interviews, which was that, you know, he was being used as a three and D player and that he has a lot more that, to his game than that. And so I would really be careful with, with signing him and, and there being a, a lack of agreement on what his role is or what kind of player he is. Cause the player you're describing, yeah, they need, but, or they will need, or every team needs, frankly. But right. does Dylan Brooks want to be that guy? Or is he going to sign his mid-level and then come in and think that he's going to get himself paid in another year by averaging 20 points and and, and, right. and chucking threes? Because, like, if you look, like like you said, he's not a good offensive player. He shot below 30, 40% this year. And he's always shot poorly from the field. His career high was actually his rookie year when he shot 44%, looking at it now. But as a three-point shooter, you know, he shot 37% just th- four, four years ago. And it was on it two is, attempts per game, though. Yeah, but yeah, but still, like, no, but still, fair, it's gone down fair, every but, year. but like, even okay, fine. Let's go go to the next year though, when he shot thirty six percent and shot on and six, shot and, and, all, and you know rounding up to six six attempts right, per game. Right. Like, so it seems fixable. Like his issue seems fixable offensively, mm-hmm. and you know I think we are still waiting to see how the Blazers culture and Chauncey Billups. If, if, if it's a culture that fixes players, right? Because like, it's been such a wonky two years where guys have been in and out and, you know, we haven't really seen a steadiness. And like, if you told me that like Dylan Brooks was going to go to the Warriors, I'd be like, Oh yeah, they're going to get the best, the best version of him. You know, just cause mm-hmm. I, I trust that system. I trust that culture. I don't know if I trust the Blazers culture to do that yet. And we just haven't, so we, and we haven't seen gotcha. it. So, um, I mean, really, but I think it's really interesting. I think it's really interesting. And I think the market is going to be really interesting for him because, you know, there is a thought like, wow, he got burned so bad by the Grizzlies and they like, you know, kicked him on the way out the door that his value is going to be so low. I mean, I think he has more value than a veteran minimum, you know, but like there's not so much cap space out there that there's going to be teams lining up to give him $20 million a year. So I think it's more like mid-level exception. And depending on how the offseason goes, I could see the Blazers getting in the mix there. And then I would have to think he'd have interest. Yeah, it hurts them enormously because the Grizzlies would be the team to be able to go over the cap to sign him and pay him a lot because they have his bird mm-hmm. rights, whereas he has to fit under someone else's cap. Unless, I mean, I guess there could be a sign and trade, but I don't know why that would happen at this point. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on where he's going to end up sliding. I can't imagine. Why, why would you sign him? 20, like Into, into cap space. Yeah. 20, 25 million a year into cap space. Like I just, yeah, not for Dylan Brooks. All right, moving on. Uh, let's talk. I, I wrote um, late last week uh, about Lillard being linked to the Heat. Sean Devaney, who used to be with the uh, Sporting News back in the day, he was a now he's with Heavy.com, which I'd never heard of. But anyway, he said some executives were talking about. That wasn't a dig. Don't make that face. That was a dig. I just never heard of it. Um, he was talking about the Knicks being interested in Carl Anthony. Sorry. 
No, I'm sorry. That was a different article. My bad. I'm getting my rumors mixed up. This was Brian Windhorse. Devaney was, sorry, Devaney was Carl Anthony Towns that I wrote about. This is, which we should talk about as well. This is Brian Windhorse saying about the Miami Heat that Lillard's name came up as a potential trade acquisition for the Heat if they go that route and if Lillard's available. So for me, I think the Miami Heat is like one of the more perfect landing spots for Dame because he's going to have to go to a contender. And when I see people on Twitter talk about Dame, where he might go, they're ignoring that part. They're, they're thinking, oh, we can get this for Dame and that for Dame, and they have Dame landing somewhere where that team has no chance to contend. Dame is not going to go somewhere and just be mediocre. He can just stay here and be mediocre. So if it comes to that, he's going to want to go someplace where they're going to be a contender. And Miami, to me, would be a perfect spot because he would, he would be in a trio with Bam and Butler. Now, some say, well, you have to get Bam back. Well, why is he going to go to Miami and not play with Bam? Why didn't he go to Miami and watch Bam come to Portland? Right. He'd rather play with a he wants to play with that with athletic big and then play with Butler as well. So the guy that would be coming back would be Tyler Hero, probably, more than likely. And then some salary matching and picks. So again, we're just we we haven't gotten anywhere near that point yet. The Blazers have to fail miserably this offseason. And then Dan, they had that conversation Dame talked about, and then maybe they look to trade him. But what do you think about Miami as a fit? And what do you think about my what Miami would even have to give back to Portland? Yeah, I'm looking now because I wasn't sure about Miami's draft uh, situation. And they have their own picks every year except for 2025. So you could get them – you could get a pretty hefty draft haul from the Heat if, if you did engage with them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't know. I, I know people are going to hate this discussion. And please text us about it uh, at uh, whatever number Aaron just read. So 503-782-9420. Yeah, let so us text. know Let us know what you think about this conversation. Like, we would love we, – yeah. we do want to hear because, – because people are so resistant to the idea of Damian Lillard being traded. And, and so – but if it has to happen, right, if the Blazers can't meet a certain bar this offseason, um, they're going to have – young players. They're going to have young talent. They have Shaden Sharp. They have Anthony Simons. Um, and they're going to have a really good draft pick one way or another. You know, if they don't, right. if they don't trade it, they have two first round picks. And if you have a top five pick in this draft, you're getting a dude. If you have a top three pick in this draft, you're really getting a dude. And if you have the number one pick in this draft, to me, yeah, it, the dude. to me, it makes the question of Damian, <laughs> what you do with Damian Lillard really interesting. Right. And, and so, sorry, I feel like this is the conversation I need to have before I can get to like Miami as a trade target or as a trade there destination. If you get Victor Wembanyama, ooh, nice. Do you view it as he is the guy who you can now pair with Damian Lillard, even though they're on completely different timelines? One guy's thirty-three, the other's nineteen. Can Victor come in and be enough of a guy, and then enough gravity to bring other players in with Dame? Does that team does that enough of a core to start competing and contending right away, mm-hmm. or do you say, hey, we've got? the greatest player of the next 20 years on our team as a rookie with a runway, Allegedly. we need to build toward being a championship team in five years with him or four years with him. And so the way you do that is by, you know, coming to a breaking point with Damian Lillard, helping him find a destination where you're getting back assets that help you build around Victor. If it's the latter. Okay. Then Miami makes a lot of sense to me because they have, they have players, um, you know, whether it's Tyler hero, you know, whatever, which, but that's less important than than the draft than the draft compensation. And you look at the first round picks that Miami could give you. I mean, first round they have two firsts in twenty twenty four. You know, you can't trade in consecutive years, but um, 
they have they, sorry i was looking at outgoing they have a pick in 24 26 28 and 30 so you could get all those from them if they if they were going to engage um i'd have to look at their salary but you know i'm sure they have i'm sure they have the salary to make it to make it match like it just that does make sense and it seems like a place that he would want to go and i think he would fit the culture i think he would like playing for spo everybody likes you know everybody likes you know Pat Riley, Pat Riley's the godfather. So that does make a lot of sense. If you were going to come off Damian Lillard, because I don't know how, because I also wonder, even though Dame just had career year, right? Like, you know, statistically the, the year of the year of his life, he's going to be 33. That contract is only going up. It's going to get more painful on the back end. You know, the question becomes like, what is his value on the open market? You know, are guys giving you the, are you getting the Kevin Durant level deal? Are you getting the, you know, the, even the Rudy Gobert five firsts, you know, when I've talked to people about this, it's like, you know, maybe you get crazy. It's, it's, I don't know that you're getting five firsts for 33 year old Damian Lillard with that contract. Miami though, does strike me as a team that looking at their construction and the way they're built and their window and Miami is not a franchise that really ever like fully leverages itself. They give themselves outs, but I do see, I do see them kind of pushing in all the chips to pair Lillard with Jimmy. Jimmy and Dame are a great compliment. Dame and Dame and mm-hmm. Bam are a great compliment. You retain some role players. Um, they strike me as a as a really logical destination. Probably probably the most logical destination in the league. Uh, Brooklyn, Other I think Philly, Philly. Really? I, I just don't know what that deal looks like. You know, I mean, Ma- I don't know. What Ma- that... It'd be it'd be Maxi and picks, right? Maxi, Tobias, Harris, and picks, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I do like Maxi. I do like Maxi, but <clears throat> like in terms of like where Dame would want to be, like my like you know, in terms of location, in terms of fit, in terms of culture. I mean, I think that there's a lot that really would make sense for him about. Um, you know, I mean, Embiid just won the MVP, so like, who's gonna like? How do you complain? But like. Maybe you have some fear of injury there. Brooklyn makes sense also from a standpoint of like, you know, there's a lot about Brooklyn's roster that if you could just transplant it onto Portland's roster, I'd be like, they are content. They're legit. Like, you know, Bridges, Joe Harris, um, Nick Claxton, like get, if you can transpose all that to Portland, sure. But I don't know how you get Dame there without, you know, I mean, short of like taking on Ben Simmons. I don't really know how you get Dame there um, and also making Portland better. So Miami, Miami though it feels a little clearer. It would have to be Ben Simmons picks. They're not sending bridges again. They're not sending bridges to Portland because why is Damian going to play right in Brooklyn without bridges? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, and I don't, and I don't think Dame Bridges and Claxton contend. Yeah, I mean for so contend. with Miami, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, I just, I'm looking at this for the first time, but with Miami, you could I believe do. I mean, you yeah, I was gonna say you could do like Kyle I, I have Lowry, Oladipo, like Oladipo, Hero. Well, because yeah, because Hero's already going to make twenty something, so he gets you halfway there. And yeah, Depot, and then it's one other contract that could throw in to get you to, to forty something, which is what Dame is at. So they could get there really easy, or or it could be Hero and Duncan Robinson. Yeah, maybe it's Caleb Martin, Caleb Martin, and Hero, <coughs> yeah, and Depot, yeah. yeah, or just Tyler Hero and Robinson and picks. Yeah, right. That does it. Yeah. So that that brings to another topic. Whenever I see people Ugh. talking about these things, and so and what, like the next thing came up, and I was going back and forth with people, and someone's because someone put out. Some writer put out uh, the Ben Simmons and picks, and they were like, "You can they can give you their picks plus the picks they got from Phoenix, and it ended up being six first round picks." Mm-hmm. And people were like, "No way, we're not we're not doing that unless we're getting Bridges back." And I'm like, "Okay, they're not going to give you Bridges and a bunch of picks 
because Dame and Claxton aren't contending. Dame's not going to go there and not contend. They're probably not going to contend with Dame, Claxton, and Bridges. They'd have to try and get a third, another player to come there. Like if they can get Jimmy Butler once out of Miami, they can get Butler to go there. Now it's Dame, Butler, Claxton, and, and Bridges. Then maybe. But if you're telling me I can get six picks, six first round picks, I'm taking that. And then people know oh, you have to get a foundational play. What? Okay. I think that people are going to be very disappointed when they see what the Blazers get. You're not going to get equal value player for player in this deal. You're going to try and get picks. And those picks have trade capital down the line. Also, Dame is about to turn 33. If you have someone's first round pick in 27, 28, Dame might not be as good by then. That could be a lottery pick. Just make sure they're unprotected, obviously. Uh, but yeah, to me, six first round picks, and I don't care who else you give me, I would do that. I, I think, like, yeah, if you're at the place where you are, where, where Dame is, it, Dame wants to go somewhere else, and right. and and this is where you're at. It becomes about the picks and the and the young players. Like, you know, I would want, you know, I, again, I'm not looking at like Brooklyn's roster, but like, do, I mean, I would want, Cam, I would want Cam, I, Cam Cam Thomas. I mean, I would want young players. I would want draft picks and young players under team control because that's how right. you build sustainably. Like, you know, I I would be more interested in a guy on a rookie contract, obviously, than Tyler Hero's, you know, 30 some million dollars over the next four years each year. But like, you've got to make the salaries match somehow. Um, right. But, you know, like, yeah, Cam Thomas, sure. Like, I want, I, you need guys that you are not paying yet. Like, if you're going to build around your young players and like, you want foundational player. I mean, how's Scoot Henderson? Scoot Henderson would be a foundational player. You know, Shaden Sharp, they believe as a foundational player. Um, you know, this, you're not, I don't think you need, you know, a 25 year old who's already been paid and extended to build around because that person is all of a sudden that, that person's clock is going to start ticking and the, the timelines, it pushes the timeline up. I think what, if you are moving on, I, I'm going to throw this caveat out there on everything. Right. Like if the decision right. comes that you're moving on from Damian Lillard, then you want to extend your timeline as far out as possible. And so that is, you know, that is young, team control, and then and then draft picks. Like because if you have if Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, uh, Amon Thompson, you know Cam Whitmore, you know whoever you're getting becomes that foundational piece with your own draft pick becomes that foundation right. foundational piece with Shaden Sharp. And then I don't. To me, it's just like and and if you're go and 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 um if you're going to rebuild. There, you don't do it halfway, and like it's 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 not a satisfying way to experience the NBA. I mean, Oklahoma, look at Oklahoma City, right? Like, I mean, there were a few years of like gritty, gr gruesome basketball, and you know what? They are better than the Blazers right now. You know, they have a better, complete team. They have better assets. They have more pieces to trade. If you know, it, the problem for Oklahoma City is like no star is ever going to say I want to force their way to Oklahoma City, but there's a reason that Oklahoma City was the team that was able to trade for Paul George. Oklahoma City was the team that was able to trade for Carmelo Anthony when he still had value because they managed their assets really well and they are able to go in at the right time. Like I would say right now it's kind of the right time for Oklahoma City. They have tons of young dudes, you know, one through 12 guys who like, you know, look like NBA players and are going to have value. You know, the Blazers have, you know, one through five, six, like, I mean, in terms of like really getting something done, um, so uh, it's it's painful, but also Oklahoma City's rebuild hasn't taken that long. Like Russ left in 2019, right? And and you know that 
you know, four years to go to totally bottom out and accumulate a bunch of draft picks and like start picking dudes. And, you know, Chet Holmgren hasn't even touched the floor yet. Like, um, you know, unfortunately, like the way the NBA is, especially for smaller markets and listen, I've spent a lot of nights in Oklahoma city, like Portland is not Oklahoma city, trust me. But, um, but it just, it's kind of the way you have to go. So if you're going to bottom out, you have to bottom out spectacularly. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you on the hero contract thing, but to me, hero is someone you get and then someone you flip. Like you're going to, you're going to trade him yeah. because you already have a two guard in Shaden. Same thing with, if you did something with Philly, Maxi, you know, what they, how, how the roster looks that first year, 23, 24, doesn't matter. Just like start Maxi at the one, start at the two, have them rotate one and two and have Sharp at the three. It doesn't yeah. matter because guess what? You're trying to get the 2024 top 10 pick, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're not trying to win. So Maxi and, and Ant would be redundant. So you eventually trade one of them, but you try and get the best young player available for the team that Dame wants to go to and as many picks as you can. And to me, if I get six first round picks, even if I have to take Ben Simmons, his contract isn't going to last forever. And who knows, maybe he'll grow up, but those six firsts would be extremely valuable. So let's go to one other thing I wrote about since we're here. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns. This is the one Sean Devaney had him linked to the, to the Knicks primarily, but also mentioned Portland. And he, he said some execs were mentioning Portland in a trade for Dame. I don't know why Dame would want to go to Minnesota. Does Dame, Anthony Edwards, and Gobert contend? I, I mean, I guess maybe because Dame's pretty good. He'd have a really good wing with him, and Gobert can play defense. I don't know. Uh, but if you're the Blazers, would you, A, seek someone like Carl Anthony Towns, who's a good young player but has a massive contract. He hasn't even started the Supermax yet. So you'd have five years control. I think he's a player option for his last year, so you have four. Um, so would you want him on this team with that type of contract? Or two, would you think that Minnesota would even be a fit for Dame as a contender? And three, would you instead rather trade for Towns and have him play with Dame? Ooh, that's a lot. So the three options are trade Dame four towns, don't trade Dame, <coughs> don't trade with Minnesota at all, or no, no, trade, trade every. No. Do you do you think do you think Dame could contend in Minnesota with that trio with uh-huh. Towns coming here, or um, if you're Portland, would you want Towns in a trade for Dame? And then three, what would that look like as a contending team with Dame and Towns pairing pairing together? So Dame, Anthony Edwards, and Rudy Gobert would be the best core that Dame has had in his, in his, in his career. So I think that that would just in a vacuum, those three guys playing together would be very, very good. Despite it, despite the, the, um, despite the, the holes that Rudy Gobert obviously has. Um, I don't want Carl Anthony. I don't want to swap Damian Lillard for Carl Anthony towns, because then I think it's a lesser version of what you already have, which is a singular star on a really bloated contract. And, I don't think it changes your trajectory if you're Portland. You're just kind of swapping, you know, one sort of, you know, guy who does a lot, but not enough to like carry you to the top on his own. Um, You know, you become Minnesota. And I don't think, you know, anything about what Minnesota has been over the last 20 years or even just in Carl Anthony Towns' tenure, you know, inspires you to say, yes, that's the direction we want to go. Like there's no history of players like saying, I'm going to go, I want to go, I forced their way to Minnesota to play with Carl Anthony Towns. That's not true. D'Angelo Russell did it, but like, that was D'Angelo Russell. Um, third of the, th- do I want Carl Anthony Towns in Portland to play with Lillard? I have brought this one up before in columns. I think it makes a certain amount of sense because I think it makes you better. 
I think Dame and Towns would be very potent offensively. I don't think it makes you a contender, but I do think that getting Dame help in the middle and a legitimate, you know, big man um, raises the Blazers ceiling. I just feel like there's still a ceiling. Um, And it, and so it becomes a matter of what it costs. Like, you know, I talked to, uh, to an executive. Um, I love when people say this, like I talked to an executive, um, but I did. Huh. And it, uh, who, who kind of, we were just sort of brainstorming these things and it's been, it's been a little while, you know, a month or whatever, but that person thought that if the Blazers ended up with like the sixth pick in the draft, right. And this was before like they'd finished the tanking and all that. But if the Blazers had six plus Simons plus, Nurkic, I believe, was what we talked about. That that would get it done. That the that like, and that's a lot of money going back to Minnesota, but um, it would get them off of Towns' contract. Nurkic and Simons, you know, Simons has has value on the floor. Nurkic, I think, is a little bit of a negative asset, but like, I one thing about Nurkic is I think he's going to get traded a lot of times over the life of his, of this contract. Has three years left on it. I bet he'll be traded mm. every year with that contract. Um, and <clears throat> so, I if you can get if you can. If the draft pick isn't as good as as the Blazers hope, and you, every everything else is sort of not um, coming together, like you can't get you know your your top top tippity top list of guys, um, I would probably be okay with trading Nurkic, Simons, and a top ten pick for 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 Towns because you because you still have you still have Shaden, you still have all your other picks to go make other moves, you still have the picks to go add like you know. Ananobi, a guy that gets talked about a lot. You can still go get him, bring him in, but defensively, you're still not good enough. Um, and I don't love Towns. Like I, I would look at Towns very much as a consolation prize. And then the problem is, if it doesn't work out and you're not better enough, and Dame says, "Hey, I want to go," you still have Towns and his mammoth contract, which is going to be harder to move a second time. So it's it's problematic. Yeah. But but as a sort of second tier option of getting all star talent next to Dame. I think I'd be okay with it. I'm slightly more intrigued by the question of of Rudy Gobert and what his value is. It's certainly not what it was when he got traded a year ago. Um, Gobert as a pick-and-roll partner and a defensive stopper behind Dame is appealing. And if he is, depending on where his value is after, you know, the really spectacular um flame out this year um i could see again i want that i want value contracts for the for the blazers that's how that's kind of their their path here like it's if it's not adding you know kevin durant like it's figuring out how to get value on the deals you make and so if you can get rudy gobert for you know whatever it is just to because minnesota just wants to get rid of him then yeah absolutely but he's still you know an all-world defender um you know, with major problems in the playoffs, I concede, but that's, he also does a thing that the Blazers desperately need, especially if they're going to stick with, you know, Damian Lillard and, and, and Anthony Simons as their guards, because I mean, there is, there is no, there is nobody stopping guys getting to the rim. So go bear on a value probably has a little more appeal to me than towns at market value. If that makes sense. I hear you, uh, but I'm would, not loving. I'm not I, loving dealing with Minnesota at all, frankly. 
Yeah, I, I would not do. Well, I would do Ant because the two ants together would be a pretty interesting backcourt for Minnesota. But I wouldn't do Ant and the pick. I'm I'm doing the pick right now as if this draft is supposed to be so deep that that pick should be someone comparable to Shaden. Mm-hmm. Now we all know top seven picks don't always work out. I know as well as anyone as a Bulls fan. I think they had three straight top seven picks not work out. Although Lowry's now good. Uh, but I'm, I'm thinking that that kid should be pretty darn good, and he's going to be younger, and he's going to be cheaper. So we're not going to give him Ant and that pick. I I, I want to do Ant, Nurkic, or Ant and some other salary matching, uh, and and the Knicks pick or something like that, and then maybe another pick down the line, not that lottery pick right now. Um, but anyway, that that's just me. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, go, I I don't know how much value Ant has, frankly. Like he's 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 a he's, right. He's, that's the question. I mean, and like he gets. I mean, he grades out. In most people's evaluation, I think the Blazers value him more. I think the Blazers overvalue him a little bit. I think they overvalue Nurkic. Um, but he is widely seen as a sixth man. And, you know, he could also be a lead guard on a team that, you know, he could be a lead guard on a team that isn't built around the guards. But, like, largely he is a sixth man. And so you're paying your sixth man $25 million. Um, I that And that's where his that's where his value gets a little bit you know, broken where it's like, he's a really good player, but, but where does he fit? And then why, and then how much are you paying him? So, um, so what am I, what am I missing? Cause I see, I see, I don't, I don't agree with that. I'm not saying the NBA execs are wrong, but if he's, if he's running a team, I think he's putting up 27 and eight. I mean, he's playing out of eight, position. Eight, no, he's not a two guard. He's not, you don't want to play in two guard, which is what he has to play with Dame. He has to act with There's kind of like uncomfortable, situation yeah. there for him but if you say okay this is your team go out there and run this thing he's no one's stopping him no no one no point guard in the league stopping him so he's scoring at will easily could get 26 27 he just averaged 24 playing second fiddle to dame he easily makes another basket or two a game and then his assists are going to definitely go up from four to seven or eight since he's running the point yeah, I just don't. I just don't see him like that. Like, I think he is. Um, I think he's. I think he's streakier shooter than you think. I think he is um, a real liability defensively. And I think that once he is the focal point of defenses, like once once defenses can afford to key in on him, like he doesn't he doesn't beat you different ways. He's a really really good shooter, but he's not like a great slasher. He doesn't have like you know a great mid range game. Like he does not like he's a really great shooter. And he is, and he is, and he can get red hot. But is he like, is he dramatically a dramatically different player than Jordan Poole? Dramatically different? Well, he can, he can still, he can play the point. I don't think Poole can. Yeah, fair. But I think also we're talking about two pretty young players. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't think Ant's development has ended. I think he's going to continue to get better. But you know, again, I could be biased. We all know I love Ant. So, I yeah, just, they're both I 23, know. which is interesting because I still yeah. think of Simons as, as 19. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I think I think that the, I think that this is the I think this is where largely NBA teams are a little split. Like I mean, are you really putting the ball in the hands and making him your 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 your, your point guard? Like, is have we seen that he is a great facilitator? You know, again, like his role in Portland has been a little bit limited, but or has been like a little bit of not limited. His opportunity to show his point guard skills have been limited by playing next to Dame, at least this year, which is his first year as a full-time dude on a team of any sort of 
intent to win. Um, you know, I don't know that we've seen like that he is a guy who can lead a team. So, I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Let's see. We'll see over time. But largely, so, so where I, where I where I give him hope though is when Dame was shut down last year. Last year. So Dame out of the lineup, Ant's taking over the point. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got Nurk, Nasir Little, CJ came back a little later, and Norman Powell. They were they were winning games that no one thought they were going to win, and they were winning those games because. Ant basically was replacing Dame. So if you go look at the game log, I'm going back to that game log right now. Um, I was going to say, how how many games is that, though? Because Norman Powell got traded on February 4th. Well, it was the whole whole month of January, January. I think they had Powell. Except he left. I think he had a kid. No, I don't think he had a kid. I think it's someone else. Anyway, my my point is the, the lineup was not settled necessarily, but they got CJ back at one point. Oh my God, why is my internet so slow? This is so annoying. Okay, so in February, so in January. Okay, so in the month of January. Dude, this is worthless. In the month of January, he averaged 19.8 points, 4.1 assists in 15 games and 36 minutes. In 21 22? Nope, wrong year. Sorry, damn it. I was, I, was feel, I was feeling myself for a second. Yeah, you were. He had he had forty he had forty three in the first game of the month. He had back to back eleven assist games. Why is this so difficult? All right, here we go. Twenty three okay. and seven. He shot forty six percent from the field and forty three on threes. Yeah, it's so very good. Twenty three points, six point seven assists. He had back to back eleven assist games. And look at the games they were winning. Like they they won they won three in a row at one point. They're, they were set. They won seven of their first team. This is without Dame and with him running the team. Then they started, you know, doing some shenanigans to tank even more. But in the next month, he was twenty four and five, about shooting forty five and thirty nine percent. And then there's that four game stretch. Look at that four game stretch right before the break. They beat the Lakers, Knicks, Milwaukee, and Memphis. When he shot, he shot like fifty seven percent. He shot. 5 of 11 on three, 6 of 12, 7 of 16, 5 of 10. He had 29, 29 and 5, 30 and 8, 31 and 6, 31 and 6. And then they shut everything down. That's when Nurkic all of a sudden had plantar fasciitis. CJ was already gone, et cetera, et cetera. And then his last game, he had the 38 at Minnesota. And then they really shut him down. But my point is, that was a stretch. Those two months were when he was running the team. And they were winning games. Like, it was crazy. They were in tank mode. And they were winning games. He and Nurk, Nurk went off those two months, too. They, they were like... I called them a poor man's uh, Penny and Shaq, mainly because Anthony has the same name as Penny. But they were killing it with him running the point. So that's why I believe if you put him in that situation on a team where he's got guys to work with and he's still maturing and growing as a playmaker, I think he's going to score at will. We all know that. And you say he can't slash. We've seen that guy drive by people. Come on. What are you talking about? He just The Mikhail Bridges, the floater over Bridges to beat the Suns. Anyway, but again, I'm biased. I'm a pro ant guy, but I I think if ant's value is down, then fine. Don't trade him. Keep him because he's just only he's gonna only get better. Well, I mean that's that I think but is not here with Dame. I think that that is the um, I think that's the crux of it, right? Like it's it's more about where his value is, and if his val if his value isn't high enough to get a deal done, then yeah, you you continue to develop him and you keep him in your in your system and you you know. If you view him as a top 
a top guard in the NBA, then he's a good contract. He's a value contract. You know, you had him under team control. You got him extended. The, the, the thing that's weird about Anthony Simons is like the Blazers gave him a big contract last year um, when I'm not entirely sure who they were bidding against. You know what I mean? Like he goes to restricted free agency. Who's giving him $20 million a year in restricted free agency? Like there wasn't that money out there. So it was, I, I do wonder like with that contract, like, you know, they obviously think they are making a really sound investment because they think his value is higher than what they're paying him. And I just have not heard people who do this sort of thing say that that is a really, a really valuable, uh, that is a really valuable contract. Everybody looks at it as, as, as him being overpaid. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, you could be right. I mean, you make a compelling case. I will concede that you make a compelling case. I just, I think that maybe it's the unknown largely that, um, that makes it seem, uh, unlikely, but you know, like you see it all the time. You see guys like, you know, Mikhail Bridges, you know, gets, gets out of the supporting role and he looks like an all-star in Brooklyn. So maybe there is some of that with Ant. Uh, that's sort of what I think, but who knows? Uh, we'll have play. We'll, ne- ne- we'll play never, never, <laughs> never write these no. words, but only time will tell. All right. Uh, oh, let's get to the, real quick to this, uh, Lakers warrior ser- series. What a matchup. You got Curry against LeBron again for the first time in a while. For the first time since the Warriors were completely stacked with Durant, and that was completely unfair and ridiculous, but that's another story. Uh, what do you make of this after game one? That was a pretty fun game last night. Great game. Uh, great first game. I thought the Warriors were going to get it done when they went on that little 14-0 run to uh, storm back in the fourth quarter. Steph was kind of on one. Um, but I don't know who Jordan Poole thought he was at the end of the game. Like He thought he was Anthony Simons out there with his uh, – <laughs> you know, That's mean, the like, norm now, isn't it? Take I mean, a 35-footer. Who cares? I mean, I will say, uh, Jordan Poole, <laughs> Jordan Poole hoisting a 28 footer with tons of space to like, you know, all, was move up. It was only 28. Yeah. But like, I mean, he was five feet behind the, the three point line, completely unguarded, okay. um, with seven seconds left on the clock is sort of like the Blazers giving, uh, Anthony Simons $25 million when nobody else was, wow. was in the market. Kind of the same. It's like, wow. why not move a little closer to the line? Um, Hated that shot, but obviously it doesn't come down to one shot. Uh, Anthony Davis, though, Anthony Davis, though, has uh, been in total beast mode this postseason. And defensively, you know, the Warriors, you know, have basically, you know, invented small ball, right? Um, and Kevon Looney's been huge. But, I mean, Anthony Davis was a complete eraser, and he has been in these playoffs. And they're going to have to figure something out to figure out how to get Anthony Davis away from the rim. Uh, defensively, but even then, he's so good. He's so he's so mobile that, and he recovers so quickly. I don't know exactly how the Warriors are going to neutralize Anthony Davis, other than you know he needs to play forty eight minutes for them to for the Lakers to win. And so maybe you can wear him out. But I mean, the advantage has swung dramatically toward the Lakers. You know, stealing Game One on the road at Golden State is a huge, um, a huge, a huge win for the Lakers. Absolutely. And, you know, LeBron, LeBron wanted some more pieces around him to help because he's, he's 38, 39, you know, he can't necessarily do all the things he used to do for 40 minutes a game. And it looks like they got some dudes, man. Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. was nice. Uh, Stevens, um, D'Angelo Russell, like they just pieced together some guys around him and with AD playing at AD levels, then yeah, they're a threat. Then do you think they're a threat to win it all? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I, it is a long, it is long and winding road, but the way they're playing right now, I think they can win. I think, I think they, they can win a game any given night. Like, I think that 
Um, you know, we've seen them beat. We saw them. Be, they had to go through Denver in in the bubble in 2020. Um, that was a different Denver team that wasn't as mature and developed as they are now. And the Blaze and the Blazers. God, look at me. The Lakers were in. Um, were had a better had better pieces around LeBron and AD in 2020 than they do now. But I do really like the construction of this current team. I have to go back and look at what their record is since the trade deadline. But you know, the you know, bringing in D'Angelo Russell as a third or even fourth option, you know, he. He's pretty inconsistent and hurts them a lot out there as well. But he is a guy who can create. Mm-hmm. He can get to the rim. He can, you know, he can. He gives you a little bit of gravity. Um, certainly in a way Russell Westbrook didn't. Um, and I think the biggest the biggest thing for the the Lakers is really the kind of the um, the emergence of Austin Reeves as a you know as a as a real offensive threat and the fact that, you know, he really, the way he draws defenses, the way he can cut, he makes the right pass. You know, he does defend, he plays both ways. You know, that is kind of what they were missing was kind of that, that bigger two way wing. And he has, he has developed into that. And (laughs) I covered his rookie year and he was a nice story as a rookie. And he was a, you know, a, a good player and he hit a game winner in Oklahoma city. And it's like, isn't it cute that this undrafted rookie from Arkansas just hit a game winner, you know? And it was like, he was, it was charming. And like, this dude is like a legitimate, you know, factor. Um, and so that, that is, um, maybe the biggest thing that the Lakers have going for them is just the balance this roster has. And, you know, I'm certainly not the first person to say this, but to achieve that at the, you know, it, it mid season, right? Like to make the moves that they made where you basically hit reset on the entire roster you built and admit mid season that the roster you built does not work. Um, you know, trading uh, like Juan Toscano Anderson was like a big part of their offseason last year. You know, do you even know where Juan Toscano Anderson finished the season? Played for the Utah Jazz. Like he was in that deal, that, that deal where the Lakers got Malik Beasley and Vanderbilt. <laughs> and Malik Beasley, by the way, isn't even playing. Like it's like they just got themselves some depths where Darvin Ham had options. Like he didn't have options before. Um, so I think that that was, you know, it's, I mean, I have been as critical of the Lakers front office as anybody. Uh, over time. And I mean, a real credit to them for going out and getting, you know, versatile players who play two ways, give them more offensive, you know, flexibility. And I think they are a threat. I would probably still give us, I still think the Warriors are going to win this series, but only slightly. And I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. Um, I would pick Denver, but I wouldn't be surprised. And it's because like, Look at LeBron. Like LeBron has never had to do so little like on a team. Like he has he has so much help in the form of, you know, a really motivated Anthony Davis, you know, the other pieces around him. I just feel like LeBron is not does not have to do everything. You know, the past couple of years when LeBron got to the playoffs, it was like put the ball in his hands and he has to do absolutely everything. And or if LeBron even got to the playoffs. And this year it's not like that. And I think that that allows him to turn on the afterburners when he needs to. Um, you saw it, you know, late in the game last night. You saw it late in game five. Game five was the big one against Memphis, right? When it looked, or game four, there was one where where LeBron hit that ridiculous shot off the glass, and it looked like Memphis was going to seal one. And he, I think it was game four because they were going to even the series. Um, that, like, you know, he has that still in the tank because of how much help he has. He's got the eye of the tiger, man. He does. Uh, I still. Uh... I mean, now that now that Phoenix is pretty much done because Chris Paul is hurt, yep. the path is definitely there to get to the finals. Uh, although Denver, man, the way Denver plays, I mean, they're pretty deep. 
they're, they're playing pretty well. That's gonna be tough. We'll see. I, I, you know, I'm not gonna put it. If, if AD's playing like he is right now, then yes, they're they're a force. But can he stay healthy? Now, before we ca- before we cast off, I, you know, while you were talking, I did some research because there was a stretch last season. This is Anthony Simons related, where Dane was out, and Anthony went into New York and dropped 38, five and four, and they won in overtime. Then he had he had an off game, 15 and six assists against the net. Six assists against the Nets. Then he dropped 37 on the Clippers, 22 and eight against the Lakers, then 45 at Utah. So that's a, that's a stretch where he was averaging 30, 30 and about six assists over that stretch with Dane out. That's that's the guy I think he can be if he is the lead guard, not deferring to someone else. That is the dude he could be. I mean, somebody's got to score, man. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's like you get, but, like, but, he, but you get he's efficient like, though. But like the thing it's not is, just sco- go no. ahead. No, no, you go. I mean, he was go- he was the primary guard on a team that doesn't have great scoring outside of outside of Damian Lillard and and Simons. So of course he's going to rack up points. Like I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not no I'm not saying it's not valid, but I'm just saying like what are the other skills that make him a primary player, a player you build around? Like he's a good player. I'm not saying he's not a good player. I just don't know that he's a lead guard on a team that's really any good. But you <sighs> clearly you clearly feel differently. Oh my god, I just can't do this anymore. I'm tired. <laughs> that's how Early that's how the podcast here ends. I, I can't do this. Early retirement. Here I come. I can't Aaron, I can't Aaron, no longer. <laughs> Aaron Fentress was never heard from again. That's that's how we that's how we know you'll you're really done is when your Twitter account goes silent. It's like my Twitter account goes silent, and I the last I've seen I've been seeing was looking for Bigfoot in the Oakland Hills. Anyway, I mean, it, he right. has, Anthony Simons has the most replaceable skill in the NBA. So, like, show me what What's else that? scoring, shooting threes, scoring and oh. shooting. Okay. Like offensive guards, I mean, are uh, I don't want to say a dime a dozen, but like you know, it's you can you can find those guys. Forty six and forty six and forty. With that athleticism, how many point? how many points a game would Malik Beasley have scored on this team? Like it's just it just there's just a lot of guys like that. But Malik Beasley, okay, all right. Um, didn't know it was gonna go this way, but that's fine. All right, <laughs> sorry. <coughs> all right, thanks for listening to the Sports by Northwest Bash Anthony Simons podcast. Clearly not. Fair fair, fair and balanced, as we like to say. (laughs) Yes, I am definitely biased. No doubt about that. Uh, Be sure to text 503-782-9420 to learn how to subscribe to our subtext where you will get our analysis on all things related to the, the state of Oregon and sports. Oregon, Oregon State, the Blazers, of course, from Bill and myself. And also, you'll know when new podcasts drop. We're going to have multiple podcasts per week. Bill and a guest, me and Brenna Green from Coin, or me and Bill, as you heard today. And also, remember that this is brought to you in part by the Pacific Office Automation 147, coming June 2nd and 3rd to Portland International Space Spaceway International Raceway. Thanks for listening. Hit the subscribe button. button. (laughs) Hit the subscribe. It's like the Space Force. All right, I'm going to sign out. I'm, I'm-